You're listening to The New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters and starters from across Canada. Hi, my name is Elle. And I'm Jared. And you are listening to The New Leaf Project. Thanks again for tuning in and hanging out with us. This is part two of our two-part episode with Professor Linda Ambrose from Laurentian University. And friends, I appreciate you listening to this one. But to get the full story, you must go back and listen to the first episode, the first part of this interview with Linda. Don't forget. Don't forget. Because this is too important. Don't fiddle around. Stop listening to what we're doing right now and listen to part one if you haven't already. Absolutely. So for those of you who uh, hopefully are tuning in again, Linda is a professor of university, a professor of history at Laurentian University. I found out about her through an interview that she did on the CBC of the history of uh, Canada's Pentecostal movement and the wonderful um, things that women were doing um, and still are, but those uh, historical things that women were doing, that these stories that were disappearing of churches being planted and women really moving moving in the spirit and really going out there and doing some amazing work and uh, the work that she is doing to revive those stories before they disappear. So um, give a listen. This is the second part of our interview with Linda um, and uh, enjoy. It sounds like you're uncovering like story after story after story after story. Like what is that? What does that feel like for you? Because as I'm listening to you, I know that like the podcast people can't see, yeah. but like my cheeks hurt because I'm smiling yeah, so hard. Me like, too. I love it. I love my job, right? Yeah. yeah like so, w- what is the sense you have when you're, okay, when you're seeing so all these I'll things? I'll tell you a story that really illustrates that. Because when I was in St. John's, I, I was there for about a month or six weeks during my sabbatical to be in the archives. Uh, and uh, truth be told, I was tired and I thought, okay, weekend, the archives are closed. I'm going to just take a cafe day, you know? And my friend from back home texted me and said, hey, you're in St. John's, where are you going to church? Uh, My answer, which I was texting back was, I'm not going today, (laughs) but she's a faster texter. She's like, hey, my brother goes to this big church. You should go there. I just texted him and told him to look for you. Perfect. Okay, so I went to this big church where her brother and his family attend. i like, okay, you're my good friend. I'm going to meet your brother. He's a stranger, whatever. I met this man and his wife, and the wife said to me, what do you do? What are you doing in St. John's? And I told her a little tiny bit of what I've been telling your listeners today. And she was like, oh, woman preachers, you got to meet my granny. Who's your granny? Oh, well, she's just in the washroom, but I'll introduce you. What? Granny is this old lady who's like in her 90s, who was a teenaged preacher in some outposts around Newfoundland. I met Granny, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not going to name names here, but listeners who know about Pentecostalism in Newfoundland, they might not know Granny by name, but they certainly know her husband, and they know her son, because they went on to be very prominent in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And I'm like, wait, Granny was a preacher in Outports? What? Yeah. And so this woman generously, the sister-in-law of my friend said, well, what are you doing tomorrow? Because I can have Granny over at my house if you want to come and talk to her. Oh, yes, please. So I spent Monday morning talking to this woman. And um, she told me things. She and her husband had written an autobiography jointly. Her husband had passed away some years before. 
And she said, you know, my husband always said, bless his heart, you know, um, that I was the better preacher. Um, she said, in fact, it's just that I had more experience. I, I was preaching already for a few years before he joined the ministry. And when he first got posted to this little place just next to where she was, he had to do a funeral and he had no idea what he was doing. So he got in touch with her, like, how do you do a funeral? She's like, okay, well, I can loan you my book. Here's an order of service. Here you go. That's how it started. And then they, they courted. They fell in love. They courted. Happy story. Two preachers of the gospel. They get married. Um, she changes her name to his, of course. Uh, this is the 1940s. And then we lose her because she changed her name. And all of a sudden, she was just Mrs. Joe Preacher. But when I found out her name, her family name, her name before she got married, when I talked to her on Monday, I ran back to the archives Monday afternoon and went, oh, that's her. And then wow. I could go back and say, oh, my word, I, I, here's where she was appointed. Here's where she served. All of it. And I'll tell you that Granny actually told me some hair-raising stories that would make your little feminist skin crawl. She told me not to tell them. Because in her 90s, she has kept these secrets all these years of the sexual harassment that she endured. These are not happy stories. Hmm. The stories of Granny saying, I, I promised I wouldn't say. It's stories of Granny being reassigned very, uh, you know, just quickly without any notice. Somebody comes, picks her up and says, come on, you're, you're, you're changing charges. You're going to this community up the coast. Why? Oh, well, we just, we need you. Okay. If it's the Lord's will, I'm, I'm all about that. She gets there and realizes that what had happened was there had been um, uh, some sexual uh, misconduct on the part of the previous pastor. Hmm. He's been removed. She's, she's parachuted in. Good luck. She's 18 years old. Wow. Now, this woman is, is my hero. Like, that's courage, right? And that's discretion, and that's wisdom, and, um, like, the stories that she tells are incredible. But she doesn't tell them publicly. Uh, in fact, a couple members of her family came in and out of the room while we were having tea and talking all morning. And after, they were like, I've never heard that before. Wow. So these women, lots of them went to their graves with stories that they didn't tell. And some of them are stories of horrific things and some of them are just stories of oh, gender politics and church politics and people putting roadblocks in their way metaphorically kicking them in the knees and stabbing them in the back and saying I'm not sure a girl should be in the pulpit and and they're just saying you know what uh, I just know what my calling is I just know that the Lord told me to do this that's why I'm doing it I don't want to argue with you about it if you want to reassign me somewhere else, it's okay. But I just know that the Lord called me to do this work. And I just want to be about his work. Wow. Wow. So I just think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like how many times, you know, are we, whether you work in the church or you don't, but like sometimes we know things and, you know, if we don't tell, you feel like you're complicit, right? Um, but these women were like, nope, the Lord knows all about it. 
you know, he's the one that will settle the scores. I don't need. So anyway, uh, yeah, I have a dream job. You know, think about how wonderful it would be to talk to uh, grannies all day long or <laughs> go back and discover their stories. What I actually ended up doing with that woman's family, I went back to the archives. I made two photocopies of every time I found her name mentioned in any church mm, report or publication. That's nice. I kept one. I gave one to them and said, hey, this is your granny. Maybe you don't know her like this, right? You know, she did something like, that, you know, yeah, she used to be a preacher. I don't know. Okay, let me show you what your gra- who your granny really is, what she really did. And um, you decide for yourself whether the church in Newfoundland was planted by the men who owned the businesses. And yeah, you decide. But I'm just telling you, there's a whole bunch of people like your granny. Hmm. And um, we don't know their stories. And wow. I'm not just in recovery mode of stories, although that's really amusing and I love it. I recover the stories so that I can think about the politics and the gender constructions of what happened back there. Because there are too many times where I feel like, whoa, deja vu. Not just in my research, but when I stand in the lobby of a church and I am told, you know what? One of the problems in this church is you. What? Me? What? Me? Like, I'm just, you know. uh, Yep. You should not be on the church board because women should not be in leadership over men. You should not be speaking. I'm like, whoa, is this really happening? I feel like I'm doing time travel right now. I thought it was 2016. But you're telling me that I should be quiet and I should not be on board and I should not be a teacher, preacher. What? That's not the world I live in. And uh, frankly, I don't think it's the calling that I have. But uh, these these uh, divides about what is appropriate for women and for men, like these gendered prescriptions. I talk to millennials all the time, of course. And they're like, what? Who cares? Like, that's just the silliest thing I've ever heard. Hmm. Okay, fine might sound silly to you, but it might not sound silly to your church board. And it might not sound silly in your denominational headquarters. And I would like to just see a gender breakdown of who sits at the table in your gender head, in your uh, denominational headquarters, your annual general meetings. Uh, I just would like to see that gender breakdown. And I won't be satisfied if you tell me, oh, well, there's a woman. She's there. She is. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. She's the head of women's ministries. Great. Great. Not great. Not good enough. Not, not the fulfillment of the Joel prophecy that the Pentecostals thought they were doing in 1910 and 1920. And when Zelma argue went preaching in Winnipeg and Florida and California and Montreal, and she stood beside her father and her brother on the stage and her father said, do you see it? Do you see it? It's the fulfillment. It's the last days. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And he, he thought he was like this living object lesson because there they were, that family enterprise of evangelism. He had his son and his daughter, and the end was coming, and the gospel needed to be preached. And so wow. the gender politics had nothing to do with it in his mind. Um, this woman was called of God anointed, gifted, writer, speaker, musician, put her up there. 
get the gospel out. Right? But yet we're still struggling with those same questions here in, in 2016. Yeah, crazy, right? Linda, when I think about your work, I want to be respectful of your time. I know I could talk to you forever and listen to the research that you're doing. <laughs> you can do a sequel if you want. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> But when, you know, you're talking about this idea of the new woman and you're sharing about all of these stories and I can't, you know, I can't help but think of people that are listening that, you know, when you talk about that, it's, there's something in me that just resonates because, you know, I haven't felt that affirmation of the boundless capabilities that, um, that I know that I, I have in Christ and the call and some people have affirmed it and it, it hasn't always been. And you know what, I'm, I'm not alone. I know that that story is similar for a lot of women. So when people hear this stuff and they hear of these women planting these churches and doing these great works, and they yet somehow feel maybe a little frustrated in their own sphere or maybe not as confident. Like, can you give, you know, I just can't imagine that you couldn't, all this coming together, like, could you give some people maybe a, a, some encouragement or something that you, something that you saw in these women, you know, in the 1920s and 30s that somehow would maybe speak to women that are maybe experiencing some of that right now? Well, maybe the thing I can say that would resonate with uh, probably every listener. Um, You know, there's a scripture that people use all the time, uh, and it's an exhortation, and it says that we should be in the world, but not of the world. In the past, I think evangelicals have used that to, uh, you know, hive themselves off into subcultures that are closed, that say, oh, I don't want to be worldly, so therefore I'm not going to uh, be part of certain behaviors or, you know, pastimes or amusements. Um, I would encourage listeners to revisit that scripture again and think about being in the world, but not of the world. And my challenge is, how much has the church adopted the world system of gender politics? And if we're going to operate by kingdom principles instead of worldly ones, maybe it's time to say these ideas about women can't do certain things or you know what it it flips on its head too men are thought to not that it's inappropriate for men to do certain things sure yeah i have a son-in-law who's a stay-at-home dad can you imagine the harassment he receives in evangelical circles he does and it's not funny but he gets it and it's 2016 it's like wow i want to say to people let's revisit that scripture one more time let's be in the world and operating according to kingdom principles Let's not be of the world and operating according to worldly ideas and worldly um, prescriptions about gender. Now, you know what? I don't know if opponents have even listened to the end of this podcast to take me on. I know very well that there are lots of people out there that are really influenced by Reformed theology that would say, yeah, what you're saying about women can do this, that's worldly. So, You know, this idea that be in the world, but not of the world, they will say, that's what we're doing. Right. We're trying to maintain biblical, you know, roles. And I I just, uh, okay, we will have to do another podcast about hermeneutics and how we're going to read those scriptures (laughs) with cultural lenses on or off, right? Um, Because those have been used as weapons. We use these scriptures as weapons against each other all the time, all the time, all the time. Listen, I'm a mom and I'm a grandma too. And there is, you know, what's that scripture that says there is nothing sweeter than when everybody dwells together in unity. That is music to a mom's heart um, and a grandma's heart. 
and probably to a pastor's heart. And you know what? I'm just going to go out on a limb and say probably to the Savior's heart. You know, hey, kids, can we just dwell in unity here? Mm -hmm. You're called to do this. Just do it. You're called to do that. Just do it. (laughs) Stop looking at what that other person is doing. I am pleased with what they're doing. Never mind. None of your business. You just do the calling I have for you. That's what you're going to be responsible to answer to me about at the end. Hmm. And, you know, Bernice Gerard said that when she was challenged, people approached her and said, oh, you shouldn't be ordained. Women shouldn't be ordained. She said, and, and this one man on a con- convention floor where that was being voted on came to her and said, like he was trying to be pastoral, I guess. He came to her and said, you know, in all earnestness, I just say, I worry about you because you're going to have to answer at the judgment day about the fact that you as a woman are doing these things that's not right. She said, you know what? In sincerity, I know what I'm called to do. I worry about you on the judgment day because you're blocking me or trying to block me from the calling that I have. I wouldn't want to be you on the judgment day because I know and know what I'm called to do. I'm just trying to be about my father's business. That's all I'm doing. She sounds like my kind of lady. I like her. (laughs) Linda, you are also my kind of lady. And I really appreciate your time and the work you're doing. I just, I mean it with my whole heart. You're a gift. And unearthing these stories and, uh, it's just, it's wonderful to hear about it. And I'm I'm so excited to hear more of the work you're doing. I know we didn't even get to talk about some of the new stuff that you're up to in the publications, but uh, Linda, yeah. thank you so much for being with us. And I trust that you'll be with us again sometime. Great. Thanks so much, Al. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed that interview Uh, as much as I did doing it. Love what Linda's doing. Can't say it enough. Uh, What a gift she is to the Canadian church. L, mind officially blown. That was so cool. I love that. And Mm -hmm. when she talked about uh, the way in which once the waters were smoothed out and these women had done all of this church planning, once the institution took over, their names were erased. And friends... I want to tell you, this isn't the first time. Uh, And there's a lot of really exciting scholarship around the name Junia. If you haven't heard it, check out the Junia Project. Check out Blue Parakeet. There's lots of books, scholarly books that are talking about this. And the basic thing is this. There was a woman in the New Testament. She was an apostle. Her name was Junia. But in the early transcripts, her name got changed to Junius, a male name. They erased her. And we found her again. And this is incredible. This is incredible. And the only reason Junia got erased is because people thought a woman clearly couldn't be an apostle, so they must have spelled the name wrong, so they added the S on the end. This almost happened to the Bible. This almost happened to these Pentecostal church planters in history. And I love that there are people that are paying attention and they are uh, they're recovering 
what we know and what we understand. Mm-hmm. This is, if you want to research uh, this particular phenomenon in the Christian church, check it out. There's all kinds of great information about it. And there's just something about once the church becomes institutionalized, this is when this process starts to happen. It's systemic. I think it's it's hard to give people the benefit of the doubt on this one, that it's just a mistake. Um we can't read into people's intentions, but the reality is this is a consistent theme and Junia is not alone. She's not alone in being erased and these women almost got erased. And so anyway, I could talk about this forever. I probably shouldn't, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Linda, for telling us this story. Friends, we want to talk about women as church planters we're having it in. Uh, we're having this conversation in May. This is what I hope will be the first women's conference that men actually go to. Uh, we're going to come up with a name for it. It's happening the Friday, the Friday of the May long weekend. So it's very camping friendly. You come, you learn, and then you go away inspired. You take your tent with you, and you go to a provincial park, and you enjoy the May two four long weekend. It'll be great. It'll be perfect. Please come and please, 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 Linda, come and join us. Tell us these stories and let us know what's going on. Uh, uh, If I freak you out, trust me, there's a lot of good scholarship on this and and there's a lot of great stuff about it online. So, so check it out. It's, it's sad that this happened, but it, it, it does happen to women and, and, uh, the New Leaf Network, we're going to try to do more than just unerase names. We're going to write ones down. We're going to write new ones, aren't we? That is the goal. So thank you so much, Linda, for this wonderful, wonderful two-part episode. I'm grateful for the work that she is doing. And I, friends, I hope that you are encouraged and inspired by it. And Maybe you know some people in your life that could use a little inspiration to know that many women have gone before us in the church planting starter world. Um, And so share this episode with them because it's been a great encouragement to those who I have shared it with. So thanks so much, Linda. Thanks so much for listening, New Leaf friends. And we'd love to see you on May 19th um, at our women's conference. So keep checking out the Facebook page and our event page for more details. See you soon. Bye, friends. Thanks for listening to the New Leaf Podcast. You can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our Facebook page, New Leaf Network. We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and stars all across Canada.